how is that possible that wouldn't come up? How is that possible that would come up? At 150 markers right there, you're probably at about 135. Are you dating anyone? How true that is. I think Shri has literally asked me uh, when I went golfing with Chris, how's Chris? Uh, fine, I guess. I guess he's all right. He's all right. Well, it's week two of this series we're walking through called The Vow, and we're kind of focused on differences. We're talking about differences this morning, but really we're talking about it in the terms of the we. How do we become a, a real partnership in this marriage thing? And so if you didn't get your sermon notes, just slip up your hand. Pastor Anson will bring you some now, and uh, you'll be set, uh, ready to go. Now, uh, I, last week I told you somebody came out, and they shared with me a little bit of a, the, the principles they learned. And so they're good for, for most relationships. They're translatable. But again, we're going to keep this in the context of talking about marriages and talking to those of you who are married, though I think there's helpful ideas for everyone. So uh, tell me this morning, raise your hand if you married someone who is really different than you. Yeah. Ooh, some of you like, that hand shot up so fast. Yeah, good. Uh, some of you want to keep your hand up, right? You're like, they're really different than me. Really different. Yeah. So it's amazing how many people, like you view it that way. I think they're so different than me because what? We always say it. Opposites what? Attract. Yeah, opposites attract. Like there's something I see in that person. I know it's not in me, but I see it in them. And I go, I like that. I like that. And I'm attracted to that, right? Uh, But sometimes if we're not careful, if opposite attracts when you're dating, right? Guess what happens in the marriage? Opposite attacks. So... Those things start to turn, and they turn into something else, you know? Like, like, let's just say for a second, let's just say you're uptight person. You're just a bit uptight, right? And you loved this free-flowing, just loose person that, that you know, just everything just kind of rolled off their back, and you were so attracted to them, right? You got married, right? And a couple years into marriage, you're like, man, you're just so lazy, you know? You're, you just let everything kind of roll. You don't ever get anything done or you don't worry about anything. Now, or let's say you're not very structured and this person, like, they're structured. They know their days, they've got it planned out and you're just attracted to that. Like, you like this structure that's put in place, right? So you get married and a couple years in, what are you saying to that person? You are a control freak, right? <laughs> doesn't usually go very well when you say that, so I don't advise it. Hey, if we're not careful, though, we actually let differences start to tear at us a bit, right? We'll say, well, she always does fill in the blank, right? Listen, if you're 24 years into your marriage and you're still grumbling about where the toothpaste tube is being pushed, you know, um, then you really need to listen up in this service because we're going to talk about how these things we got... That's definitely going on over here. <laughs> there are some issues, some issues. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, we want to hear the whole story. <laughs> so. so this morning, this is really what we're trying to do. Is we're, we're talking about the we. We're talking about getting to this point where we understand, look, your differences are not a problem in your, in your marriage. In fact, God actually designed some differences like to enhance and strengthen because even if you didn't raise your hand, right, you're still different. 
You're still different than the person you're sitting next to, the person you married. These differences can actually strengthen. In fact, every single relationship has to have this progression, all right? From before you knew them, it was me. It had to move to you, but God wants it to get to a we. That's where he really can strengthen your marriage It is when it reaches a we. Like when you're single, right? Like, you know, you're not married yet. You know, it's, it's me because that's kind of what's life. Like when I was 18, 19, 20, whatever, it was me. I wasn't processed. I was processing maybe how I could date someone, right? But I'm processing a lot of life around me. Then, you know, you see that person, right? Like when I saw Sheree on the campus at Asbury Seminary, you know, it was oh, how can I get that person to actually notice me, you know, acknowledge me? Shri did not right away, right? Um, But we actually get to the point where I want you to like me. So I want you to like me. You know, that's how it starts and gets going. But here's the tragedy of most, not most, but tragedy of so many marriages. We never get to the we after that. There's still this processing of the marriage and this relationship, this thing that we'd say, this is the most significant earthly relationship I have, and we still process it from this mentality of a me and you type of things. Sometimes I'm on you, sometimes, you know, it's me, but we're still focusing that way. God wants to help us get to this we mentality. Now, some of you right away, here's what you translated. You said, well, does this mean I have no individuality anymore? I have no my own personality anymore? I cease to become me? No, we'll talk about that in just a, a few minutes. But here's a, kind of a fundamental flaw of many marriages. It's I try to make you what's best for me. And we disguise that as the we. It's not. Like when I'm trying to make you what's best for me, well, then uh, you probably aren't interested in conforming to every little thing that's best for me in that way. And so I, I become frustrated and there's some barriers that are put up. In fact, I'll say it this way. If you try to make you what's best for me, if that's the approach, if we stick in that approach, uh, then there's no room for the we. Let me just say it stronger, because I think it needs to be said stronger. If you try to make you what's best for me, and that's where you kind of camp out in marriage, you destroy the we. You destroy the opportunity for we in your marriage. And so this morning, I want to walk through just this little understanding of the we and where God wants to take us, and then a few practical steps I think we can use to get there uh, as well. Let's take a look at God's word we actually find that God designed this marriage thing. Like he actually designed it and he, he has this way of how he wants it to play out for our better. So we should probably go by his playbook, especially if you're a believer this morning. Let's walk through it. It says this, that is why in Genesis 2, that is why a man will leave his father and mother and be united, united. Will you say that with me? united to his wife, and the two will become what? One flesh. And that's a significant word. The word united there actually means to adhere or to cling. It literally means being glued together and put together. You know, sometimes in our marriages, like, we don't understand that. Like, we don't understand that concept that there is this meshing and this adhering together. But when it goes south... You start to talk about breakup or divorce, and then you walk through that process of divorce, 
Like you understand. You understand that word cling because it's hard. It's incredibly hard to walk through that. And for some of you, you walked through it a long time ago and you still on some level deal with that. That's what God's was intent, that it would be that bonding, this marriage thing. Jesus actually picks up on this. He actually shares and repeats the same phrase. This is what he says. Jesus talking, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, he says, he's repeating that, but they become one flesh. Then he throws in this little extra thing, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Like he's, he's saying, look, this is, you got to understand that it's no longer two, it's one. And Jesus says, look, when, when you get married, like it's not, it's now me and you, that it is a we. And thinking about it and functioning that way is incredibly important. But the problem for us is it's hard and it's confusing, is it not? Anybody in here married, been married for a while, and there's not times in your marriage you'd go like, it's a little confusing. How to navigate the relational aspect of how to navigate the we, how to keep myself from getting into a what's in it for me type of approach in my marriage. Paul one time was talking about this marriage thing as well. He, he repeats the same thing we just read. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then he says, this is a profound mystery. Anybody feel that sometimes? This is a profound mystery. Like, how does this happen? Well, understanding the importance of the one, the union that you would have in marriage. It's so, so significant. In fact, there is no other union other than our connection with Christ, with God, that speaks on this type of level of connection. That's how important this marriage is. In fact, when God wants to draw to something to, in some way in earthly terms, describe what it's like to have this union and connection with God, he uses often this metaphor of marriage. Not to say that, that just earthly marriage is the only way you experience God, but those were the earthly terms that he would use to explain. It was that significant. Now, some of you, though, here's the problem. You are fiercely independent, right? Some of you, if I had you raise your hand back again, you're like, I am fiercely independent. I'm like, I am just, you know, I'm just known as I got an independent spirit, you know? Like when I first met Cherie, I didn't know this. I was told this story later by her brother uh, that she was incredibly independent. And so if a guy was interested in her, right, and she got a little tip off of, of he liked a certain style or liked a certain dress she wore or certain smell, she would purposely not wear that thing because she wanted to say, look, I am independent. You know, I don't need some guy saying he likes that dress and I have to wear it kind of thing. That was kind of her spirit. And then one day she came downstairs. Again, the story told me later. Uh, she came downstairs. She was actually going to meet me and she was wearing this particular dress. And uh, her brother asked her, her brother's a doctor in, in Dallas now. He asked her, uh, why are you wearing that? And she said, well, because Tom likes it. And he's like, oh, boy, <laughs> this is it. 
And it is. It, it was. It was it. So for 24 years. I remember the dress. You know, I, I, you know, I remember it. So, but some of us are so fiercely independent that we think this. If I get into this marriage thing, or if I buy into this we concept, I cease to become me. Like, I have to give up my personality entirely. Listen, some of you are introverted and some of you are extroverted. Some of you are married that way, right? You don't have to stop being extroverted or stop being introverted because you got married. Those are not the things of ourselves that we give up. In fact, it's not the giving up of ourselves. It's more this. It means that you unite around a common purpose. Like, that's what you're doing in your marriage. You're actually uniting around this common purpose, and that common purpose is this we, the we. And this we can actually do for God more than we would do on our own in that marriage context. Why is we better than me? A couple things. One, you just make better decisions. Like, if you're married, right? If you're married today, you make better decisions when you and your partner are, like, are on board, when, you, when you've talked about it, when you've run ideas by each other. Now, Shri has that women's intuition. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where women just, they kind of just know something, you know? And, I, and I'm trying to always like reason and, and have logic to script out why something is or isn't. And she gets this feeling, you know? And every once in a while when she gets this feeling, I'm like, okay, we've walked through this. You know, here's reason one and reason two. And, and she said, yeah, but I, I just kind of have this thought or this feeling, you know. And uh, sometimes I've just, I've just bypassed her right, right through it until I get on the other side of it and realize, oh, she was very right. And I could have saved myself from, from some hardship. We're just better if we would process those things together. Now, let's throw marriage out for just a second. I mean, you just know, like, if, you're, if, if you lead a company, if you work in, uh, for a, have a team under you, you just do a better job when you actually work together with a team and you have a collaboration of thought and ideas and skill sets and all that kind of stuff. You just do better than if you're apart. Marriage works that way, too. Second thing is this we, this concept of togetherness, actually gives you intimacy, whereas me would leave you empty. Listen, I'm not saying if you're, if you're single this morning, you're just going to be empty. I'm talking about if you're married, you're in that marriage context, that we is actually, there's a great gift of intimacy that you won't have. Now, before you just think intimacy and think, and we're talking sexually, everything, relationally, Everything is intimacy, emotionally and spiritually, just activity together, physical, everything, all of that intimacy is available in the we when you get married. But if you're in that context of marriage and you're functioning in that you and me, then you understand that intimacy gets forfeited. It goes away. In fact, some of you might be sitting inches away from the person that you're married to, and you feel miles and miles apart because this is not that component. The wonderful thing is I think God restores this. I think he wants to. I think his great love that's part of his grace wants to restore relationships. And so this morning, we can start by drawing near to him. So here's what I want to do with our remaining time. I want to talk about just some practical ways that 
you can have kind of a common vision in your marriage. A common vision. You understand what a common vision means? Kind of you're on the same page. Now, it may not mean like you're listing out all your life's goals from here to when you die, you know, you and your spouse. We're talking about a common vision, a common approach to life. In fact, Proverbs, which is our great, our great book of wisdom in the Bible, says this, where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, we don't have direction. And so here's some common things to rally around uh, in, in your marriage this morning. Here's one. Common vision in your faith. It's common vision in your faith. Now, we talked about this last week. In fact, the, the, the gist of last week's message, and if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go back online and listen to it. And that is that God is the number one priority for you. Your growth in God is primary. And then this growing together. But common vision in your faith is so important. Knowing, you know, do I love Jesus? And we're going we gonna to rally around being in church or being in growth together or being in Bible study together. It's inevitable that if a husband and a wife are moving closer to God each, or excuse me, you're moving closer to God, yes, then they're moving closer to each other. That's inevitable. That's happening because you're starting to learn more about God and what God would call you to and what he's asking of you. So I want to encourage you to intentionally build your faith here. Now, you can think about some practical things like, you know, being in church together, being in small groups together and Bible study and, and having devotion times, whether together or apart, but making those a part of your life. But doing those things doesn't automatically fix this area. But talking about faith, rallying around this thing, making sure you're common in this. Listen, men, do you know what this means? Can I speak to you a second? Because sometimes we're the culprits. Men, it means you need to talk about your faith. It means you need to talk about Jesus. What is God talking to you about? What did you learn when you read the Bible? It just speaking about this and putting this in verbal terms with your spouse is so significant common vision to your faith in God. Here's the second one, a common vision about your finances. This is actually the physical sex and money are the top dividers in relationships. Did you know that? Like those are the top things. The stress over money, the anxiety over money, how am I going to spend my money? How are we going to get out of this from what we did spend our money on? Those type of things. And so it's so important that we have a common vision of our finances. Listen, you both may not be like, hey, we're going to invest. We're big investment people. That's not really not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is making sure you're on the same page, whatever it is, with your finances. Making sure that you're looking at things and saying, hey, these are some goals we have. Here's some things we want to do. Here's some ways we want to spend our money. Because inevitably, you get into a relationship and somebody is just a free spender, right? Let's just splurge today and go do this, you know? Nothing wrong with that at times, right? But somebody else is like, I don't even spend a penny, you know? Uh, we're, and how do you mesh those two? How do you pull that together? Well, it takes a lot of conversation, a lot of talk, probably some compromise in there too. But finding a common vision for a reason there as well. Here's the beauty of this. A common faith will inform a common finance as well because God has so much 
to speak on and teach us in his word about finances as well. Here's a third one. A common vision for your family. Parents, you understand this. Like that, that kids can actually divide us. That can actually happen in marriages. That, that usually, though, it's not really the kid's fault. Did you know that? You know, like in most situations, it's our fault. Like we're the ones that caused this by not being united in how we were going to parent or how we were going to interact with a certain situation. I mean, little things like when our, our kids were like two and three, I mean, not that there's not major issues, you know, you're learning to parent, but we just thought things were cute, you know? And so us not being on the same page or something was, it was kind of okay. It was kind of something to kind of joke about and laugh about. Man, it didn't feel the same when they were 12 years old. Like, in fact, it was way earlier than that. The parents, you understand this. The kids are smart. They know how to play us off each other at a very young age if we're not united. Now I have late teenage, I have early and late teenage kids and there's some other issues that are even greater now, that if we're not common. Now, I can look back, and I can see things that we just did not process through the greatest as we work through. But kids get it, and we got to be united in how we parent them and how we walk through them. Now, you might say, you might say, well, hey, that's easy for you to say, you know, pastor. Probably have, you know, perfect Christian kids at your house and... You guys read the Bible aloud for two hours every morning. I mean, you only work one hour a week. You got a lot of time to put this into practice, right? And I'd say, no. I mean, it has been incredibly hard over the years. Like, if I look back, I mean, there are so many times where I look and I go, man, I wish we had parented different on that one. I wish we had known a little bit. But I guess you can say that in all of them where I look back and I have the most regret on the times that we were not on the same page. When the times where we were like, you know, like, hey, you know, sign up for that. It sounds great. Let's do it. And then Cherie's all like, what? Why did you tell him that? You know, do you realize we just committed for six months? You know, what? those type of things that got us into issues are difficulties. Uniting around this common thing for your family. How are you going to institute your faith within your family? I'm like you, many of you, when my kids were little, I wanted to build faith into them right away. But what is the age? What is the stage? What is the process where you want them to start owning their own faith? When you start to offer a little bit more freedom in how they're choosing, how they respond and interact with their faith. All of these are very important questions for you as a husband and wife to be asking. And if you have little ones, one and two years old, Start the conversation now, because it's much harder to do it all on the fly when they're teenagers. Common vision for your family. Here's the last one, and you might chuckle at this, or maybe you don't think it's as important, but I think it's incredibly important. It's this, a common vision for fun, like for fun, like just to enjoy one another. You may know as well as I do, you get rolling with your job, your wife or husband gets rolling with their job, right? And kids get rolling with their activities. And before you know it, I mean, you've rolled through six months of not really doing anything together as a family, not really enjoying your time with one another. Oh, your kids had a good time with their friends and you might've had a good time somewhere else, but coming together, that time to have fun, 
Whatever this looks like, fun vacations, fun trips, go hiking, whatever it is for your family, this would look different across the board. But being intentional about how we build in this kind of fun and getting on the same page. Like, you don't want to go on vacations really centered around one person, right? Go on something the family can enjoy together, and that takes some time. Now, here's a problem. Sometimes we struggle so much in these first three areas, and we don't spend intentional time working on the faith or the, the finances of the family, and we think, let's just go do something fun together as if the fun will then mask and cover over these other things. And I tell you this morning, it just does not work that way. Don't get caught up in number four to try to cover over the first three we talked about. But it's still important that you have fun. You build these memories with your family because chances are in a few years, the same group of friends won't be there for them. You might have moved on in stages of life as well, but your family, they'll always be there. And then maybe grandkids come and other you know, people, and there's just this greater opportunity to come together. So build fun into it as well. Takeaway. Let me just share these two. Last week, we focused on this first one, the vow to make God my number one. God would be my number one. I'd be growing in that, that walk with him. It's so important. But here's this week's. I vow that our marriage will be more about we and less about me. You can make that declaration this morning. But start to intentionally ask, how do I make it more about we? How do I put into practice some of these things? How do I even learn a little bit more? And this morning, you may, these practical steps may be the way to start looking and working through. But don't skip over what we walk through about God's word. In fact, this last week, I had to spend 191 pages worth of reading, uh, which turned out to really be about relational union. And it was built about God, how God relates to us, his created being, and then how God actually empowers us to relate to other people. And the Holy Spirit was in it all at work. So it wasn't just these you know, practical how-tos. It was this supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit as well. Don't skip over the part the Holy Spirit wants to play in helping you become a we as well. So building on God's word central also. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to lift up marriages once again as we close off. And I want to invite you as you're praying as well with me that you would be lifting up your own marriage, specifically what God is speaking to you about. Now, don't lift up, God, would you just have my spouse start doing this or stop doing this? Lift up what God is speaking to you about you doing Let's pray. Father, thank you for marriage. Thank you for this, this whole concept you designed. Lord, I thank you for the joys that come into it. And Lord, I get to see that so often at the point of officiating a wedding. But Lord, then I sometimes get to see the other side when I'm sitting and talking to a couple. And so often they've gotten off we, and it's, it's you and I for sure, or you and me for sure. Father, this morning, I pray that you would help centralize in us this concept of this union, this clinging to one another, this, uh, this glued togetherness. And Lord, help us to understand that's how you want us to function. And so then, Lord, it plays out in every way. 
Lord, for some of us, if they were honest, you would say this morning, I am the stumbling block. I'm the one that's held, held this up in so many areas. If that's you this morning, just confess that to the Lord and make a commitment that you're now going to use you're going to use your marriage and your place in this marriage to follow just as God's word is teaching you that you might honor and glorify him in this marriage and be a blessing, an incredible blessing, as we talked about last week, to your spouse. Lord, I lift up every marriage, especially, Lord, those who are right at the door of divorce. Lord, may they, may they turn around from that, walk to you, be grown in you, each individual. Would you revive and restore and fix these marriages as only you do and your Holy Spirit does? I pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I know these heavy topics, but if there's any way you just want to sit down and talk with us, and we're talking about marriages in general. We're hitting most marriages, but you might have a very unique situation that you need to talk through, and I'd love to do that. So if you'd let us know, use the card, or just come see me outside. I'd love to talk to you, or at least set up a time that we could talk as well. So anything else we can... Uh, we can pray for you about, use the card this week or any other information you need to give us. Hey, if you're new with us, we're really glad you're here. Um, whether you came by invitation or just stumbled in, we're glad that you came. Um, and I would love if you would fill out as much information as you're comfortable. And then at the end of service, you can either drop this card in the boxes in the fellowship hall or just come right out and see me. I've actually got a couple gifts out there I'd love to give you this morning. If you'd come exchange that with me, that'd be great. A uh, couple things that are going on uh, in the church. Our small groups have launched, and we've gone two weeks of small groups, and we will continue that uh, as well. We'd love to have you in one if you have not signed up for a small group, if you've not plugged in. Just simply let me know on the card or sign up at the Welcome Center on the small group table, and we will get you plugged in with a group. I'll just share with you the group options, and you choose what works best for you. We'd love to plug you all in. And then finally, our worship night is coming up. That is uh, March 20th, just a, a night of music and, and worship and celebration that night. But we're also going to add in baptisms as well. So if you are new to the faith, if you've kind of just become a Christian, we would love to baptize you. Or if you've never been baptized, we'd love to baptize you that night. It's going to be a big celebration, high energy when we baptize. So I'd love to have you just take the card and, and give me your name and write baptism on the back. And I'll connect with you right away and we'll talk about it. So that sound good? All right. We're going to invite uh, our ushers to come take up uh, the morning offering. And as they're coming through, uh, I'll invite you to stand and let's, let's go out singing one more.